HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Bonnie knows when you plant something, it keeps on giving. Growing from friend to neighbor to community. Generations of gardeners have trusted Bonnie for fresh, healthy vegetable and herb plants. Rely on Bonnie for quality plants, help, and support. Bonnie, gardening with you since 1918. BonniePlants.com You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with probably one of the most stylish guests I've ever had on air. But Thank that could also be a lie because no one can actually see us. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this is, you carry yourself well. Thank you. <laughs> Diana Thanks, Yen of The Jewels of New York. That's thejewelsofny.com if you're wondering about a website. But I've been drawn to your aesthetic for a while, seeing uh, you know what you do, all the things you do, because I feel like you wear many hats um, in magazines, on blogs, for years now. I think the first time I ever saw you was uh, Design Sponge did an In the Kitchen with where you made Fabergé eggs for Easter, wow. or like Fabergé egg cookies for yes. Easter. That was early on, and um, the... The blog world is funny because I'm an old timer now. <laughs> people are like, you've been around for so many years. Yeah. And I think it's only been like three or yeah. four. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's so, it's like so a decade. Old. You're OG. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. known on the internet. And that's um, that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you were known then and still known now, you've been doing this for a while. And <laughs> yeah, I guess have so. been doing well for yourself. Yes. Um I think at that time it started as a hobby and then it sort of became my everyday work, which has been um, a challenge, but also, you know, kind of 
I'm really lucky. Oh, those are the best jobs. Yeah. It well, wasn't planned, you know? Yeah. It kind of happened organically. And, um, yeah, I'm happy with where I am now. Excellent. So. Well, let's talk about where you were then. From okay. the beginning. Born, raised. Like from California? Oh, yeah. Or where I'm no, from? I was, <laughs> yes. I was supposed to guess that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from the West Coast, and I moved to New York about, I guess it's been about eight or nine years now. So I'm an old-timer. <laughs> and um, I moved here actually to do design. So that's my background. Um, I went to art school in San Francisco well, and lived there for five years. It, it, that's a design-savvy uh, and food-forward city it to be in. It is. It's an incredible city for food, and that's where I kind of fell in love with it. Is You know, when you grow up in the suburbs, um, I grew up in Southern California, like Orange County, and... You know, going out to eat is like, what is there? There's Applebee's, there's Chili's, <laughs> there's Soup Plantation. And when I went to college, and um, I remember going to the Embarcadero Farmer's Market the first time, that place blew my mind, like my senses completely, visually, um, you know, everything. The food there was amazing, and that's when I really started to know what was like a real tomato or yeah. a real you know berry or whatever you're having you're like oh, okay this is what it's supposed to taste like well, i mean your heritage um what was cooked in your household was it not real tomatoes was it all canned um actually my mom is a fantastic cook but she um they're from hong kong and she would make chinese food and so growing up we we had a lot of home-cooked chinese food which was fantastic but I think that when my sisters were growing up, they started to lean more towards pizza, hot, po- <laughs> hot pockets, and yeah. things like that. So half of our meal was a traditional, like, you know, my mom would take all day to make an array of dishes, and then there'd be, like, hot pockets. <laughs> and, you know, so she was struggling to, like, please the kids, but also hold on to her heritage. and. Yeah. Um, I think at a certain point she just gave up and started shopping at Costco, and it was kind of <laughs> over. Yeah, she and never tried to create like you know Hong Kong style hot pockets. <laughs> no, fuse that, the two things together. You know, actually, she did. There are Hong Kong <laughs> hot pockets, oh, but really? yeah, they're really awesome with braised beef inside. I don't know if you had them, but yeah. but um, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, she sort of. But when I go home now, she knows that I love her like traditional Chinese cooking, and she always makes something special. So. Yeah, what are your favorite dishes that your mother makes um she makes amazing congee and i think that if maybe if you're not chinese congee is kind of weird it's that <laughs> rice porridge and sometimes it has no flavor it's just it looks like gruel yeah, what like what you attraction? eat in an orphanage because or i mean I, I yeah it looks like the gruel from what is oliver you yeah know, so people are like, why and then there's like a thousand uh, is a hundred year old or a thousand year old a thousand year old duck egg yeah in there, and they're like, okay, this is what I what this is it. So, truth that's not a thousand year old egg, is it? It's not a thousand year old, but um, I believe that the first time they invented it, it, it was like an egg that had fallen into a bucket of horse urine, and it probably was there for like a couple months. Wow, and that's how they discovered it. Yeah, and now it's not made with urine, but yeah, <laughs> but that's how it's that's the history. Sounds, I think. You just made kanji sound so delicious with that <laughs> description. So anyway, my mom <laughs> makes kanji. It's and it's different from the basic because she takes um, she always takes roasted duck bones and um, cooks that along into the stock. So it's this really earthy and um, just 
amazing flavors from the duck bones. So that's her thing, and she makes it every time I come home. Yeah, it's, it's really funny, awesome. you know, with with modern food media, there there's this language and saying something like earthy for duck bones, whereas <laughs> if you just reference duck bones, you know, five years ago, yeah. everyone cringe a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't know. Duck they, bones? Yeah, <laughs> they, which is an amazing, you know, flavor. All the all the mm-hmm. roastiness, the marrow that comes out. Yeah, but it, it's scary to separate those things and people say bones I, I don't want bones oh yeah. yeah i mean all the flavor comes from the bones in the stock yeah. and um yeah so yeah her her specialty is that is the roasted duck congee and it's a little bit sweet and she has like the roasted duck skin in there it's it's a i think it's a pretty nice dish yeah so that's what we grew up eating for Suits breakfast so yeah, when you good. came to new york trying for design did you yes. find congee places around congee and, yeah Oh, yeah. Big Wong's my go-to, I think. Yeah. And it's, well, I kind of, when I first moved to New York, I had no choice. I was so poor that, you know, a dollar or two dollars for a bowl of congee was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And it, you know, it was sort of like a comfort food. So I would always have that on the weekends, especially. And, um, yeah, I still, I go to Big Wong's for congee. I I think their congee is great. Yeah. I love their ribs. The ribs? Yeah. Oh, I haven't had oh, them. <laughs> and I remember, I love it because I think it was also Ed Koch's favorite Chinese restaurant as well. Oh, really? And I had seen him a few times in the restaurant. Big is awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I really like that place. So that's a nice place for comfort foods that yeah. I go to often still. So moving here for design, what type uh-huh. of design were you working in or working towards? Um, so I, let's see, I finished school in San Francisco and then I was kind of immersed in doing home design, product design. So that would be anything from furniture to bedding to tabletop flatware. Uh, And I was really just, um, I love anything to do with the home. And, of course, cooking came into play. Um, But, yeah, but originally I had a design background. So I think that affects the way that I do my work. I'm a lot more visual about it. And um, I think that's been a good thing. Yeah. And um, so that's what's made it a little bit different. So I know we have celebrity chefs, but who mm-hmm. were the superstars of, you know, that design world to you? Like Jennifer, Jonathan Adler? I mean, oh. you know, John Darian. <laughs> oh, John Darian's great. And, um, you know, when I first started, I was working for Thomas O'Brien, and he's oh, cool. a really big interior. Do you know him? I think we've had a guest on the show, Heather Chantos, I think, worked for Thomas O'Brien. A lot of talented people have worked there, and um, he's sort of, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And I think what I learned when I moved to New York is that people are obsessed about every detail when it comes to lifestyle design, if that's what you want to call it. And Thomas is one of those people. He has a chef that cooks every day at his studio, and... Um, you know, every detail of that studio, not just what we were designing, but sort of the whole lifestyle, the whole package was um, thought out. And um, it kind of being exposed to people like that really um, kind of gave a nice groundwork for my studio. Yeah. And um, I saw that every day we had an amazing lunch and, you know, um, we sort of yeah, we. I think the one of the things I remember is I was designing something like a, a a cocktail tray for a home collection, and I was showing him all these designs, and he's like, you know, don't think about what this tray should look like. Think about 
what kind of amazing party is it going to be served at? Who are the people that are at the party? Like, this is like Elton John's Christmas party. What is it going to look like? I was like, okay, okay. That was a whole different way of looking <laughs> at design and why we make the things we make. And, um, you know, at the same time, I was just someone that loves home and entertaining and having friends over. And I think that cooking was a big part of that. Yeah, but it, it seems um, like you were setting a scene, you know, <laughs> rather than trying to make something that was pragmatic, something yeah. that was, you know, just just a utilitarian. And, yeah. you know, um, tabletops or a lot of photography these days mm-hmm. tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, trying to develop that story through setting a scene is, is what, you know, you you were achieving without necessarily knowing. Yeah, and actually, I became good friends with a lot of people at Martha Stewart, too, when I first moved here. And I would say one of my best friends, um, his name is Kui Nguyen, and he showed me that whole world of, it wasn't, it didn't stop at, like, what you were eating, but it was, like, it wasn't just what's on your plate, but what is your plate? What what type of flatware are you using? What's the story of the objects that you're interacting with every day? And when it came to food, he sort of got me obsessed with all those things like plates and flatware and, you know, all the, the painting the whole picture, not just focusing on the food itself. And so we started going to Brimfield every year together. And um, To where? Brimfield. What is that? It's one of the biggest um, antique shows in um, in the U.S. It's, I think, twice a year. And... Um, that's where we go and geek out on forks and wow. knives. Where and, is that? Locally? Uh, where is it? It's, uh, it's a couple hours away. I think it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And um, so we go twice a year. I'm usually sleeping. That's why I don't know where it is because I <laughs> you sleep. You just in, wake up in the middle I wake, of a We leave bunch. at four yeah. in the morning. I wake up and we're there <laughs> on these cornfields. And um, we're always digging for all these treasures and um, glassware and things that I might use to shoot with or... You know, just things that you're inspired by. Um, I love special tools for eating, too. So, um, you know, we'll we'll go there and look for special pieces I can use to shoot with. Yeah, later. what kind of special tools? <laughs> he showed me the funniest. Um, well, we had all these amazing things. And I remember one of the... We're always trying to figure out what, it, what its purpose is, too. Like, sometimes I remember there was this fork for eating cornichons. <laughs> Gherkins, yeah. and um, there's an ejector on it, so I guess you don't have to get your hands dirty. Like the back of the fork has this button, and it ejects it. And you know, it's from the early 1800s, so um, there's no one to tell you what it's used That's for. That's awesome. But um, so there are all these kind of geeky things that we like to check out. I think there was a show at the Cooper Hewitt Museum a few years back that was... Was it flatware? Yeah, yeah. And it was oh, called like yeah. Serving the Something. And it was designed Amazing. by Avrico. Uh-huh. And I remember my favorites were the truffle spoon. And all it was was for delivering chocolate truffles and yes. such specific, uh, you know... Yes, I collect all those yeah, things. Yeah. I have a million olive spoons. I have... You know, French jelly jars, all sorts of... But flatware is definitely one of my favorite things yeah. to collect. And, um, and yeah, I love hearing the stories about those objects. And then, of course, what I like the most is that I can use them every day and actually interact with them. So, In, in what kind of use? I mean, do you use them contextually? Do you use them as ejector cornichons? Yeah, I do. Forks, or do you <laughs> use them as friends, something else? 
when my friends come over, I like showing off all my stuff. So <laughs> I polish it up and then I, you know, I have some cornerstones and we just eject them <laughs> off of the fork. That's awesome. It's kind of um, a freaky, you know, thing that I'm into. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, I collect all the things, but I like to use them too. And that's always really fun. Yeah. Um, and this all takes place in your studio because you, you self-describe it as a multi-disciplinary... Well, that's too big a word for me. Disciplinary. Yes, that's it. That word, creative space. Yes. Um, so we started out from my apartment, like most of these types of things. And um, over the years, we you know we've gotten bigger projects and we've been able to finally... Uh, move into a decent, a real studio, an office that I go to every day that has um, has a test kitchen in it, and um, the other half of it is really like a design studio, but for food. Yeah. So it's um, it's pretty interesting. Where is that located? Um, it's a storefront that's on East Broadway in Clinton in the Lower East Side, and I've been there for a couple months, so it's starting to to. Um, be more homey. It's kind of it's more homey than it is like a office office. Yeah. So I mean, is, is there a storefront that people can look in and they see what's going on? They can look in and watch us eat, but yeah. they can't come in. <laughs> so mean, such a tease. I know, I know. But I love having big windows um, and a lot of natural light yeah. that comes in for shooting. And- so I love the idea that it encompasses both things: test kitchen as well as design space. Mm-hmm. Where does that meet? Does it? happen in the middle do you have people working on one end and not the other or do you hope for people to have both minds um the people that work with me yeah i would say um i've been looking to have a lot of different people work for me and um i think most people that that do work for me are are women and they're very interested in making things and design but they also just love to cook and um, I've had some really talented people that have helped me that I think have are able to work in both worlds um, to sort of help me with the design and sort of laying out menus and coming up with ideas and then to the execution and testing every day. And But we also do special event catering. So um, for that, I have, um, I have um, some serious chefs that come in to take care of that big yeah. jobs. Yeah. And that's good because... Uh, you know, you kind of sort of realize where you, where your skills are. And at this point, I love having the best people come in and, and help me with the projects. Yeah. You know, it's a good. big sign or step of success, I always feel, is delegation. <laughs> yeah. Or being able to mediate. So to have people not necessarily work under you, but work yeah. with you, collaborators. Yeah, yeah it's really fun. And um, you can reach places that you that you couldn't have imagined before doing it on your own. So... A big part of evolving the business and just myself is to realize um, there's some things that I might never master, but I can. We I live in New York, so um, I'm able to find the best people to work on these projects, and I'm really lucky to have that. Yeah. Well, on gym. that note, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. Come back, talk about those people that you found, some okay. of the amazing seasonal menus that you've been creating. Okay. You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. <laughs>
you plant something, it keeps on giving. Growing from friend to neighbor to community. Generations of gardeners have trusted Bonnie for fresh, healthy vegetable and herb plants. Rely on Bonnie for quality plants, help, and support. Bonnie, gardening with you since 1918. BonniePlants.com Hey, welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You caught me in the middle of a big sip of water. <laughs> um, here again with Diana Yen of The Jewels of New York. Um, a very special place where design and food actually meet. Um, and you can go and stare through the window, East Broadway and Clinton, yeah. if you can find them, but mm-hmm. you can't eat anything. <laughs> you, can't you can just eat watch anything. them eat. You can watch, but you can't you can't well if you ring the doorbell and you're nice i'll still <laughs> but you'll have to eat out of the mistake jar which a lot of my friends come to the studio for just okay. the mistake jar tell me tell me about my sister the- knows about the mistake <laughs> jar can i can she basically the mistake jar is like a jar of all the mistakes that they ha- like make when they're testing recipes yeah. so it goes in this jar but it's like a cookie jar awesome so people go crazy over like is there any mistakes is there any mistakes so do you sometimes nudge somebody and like oh you screwed up there a little bit put it in the jar no we just go like wait I think that one that one looks a little lopsided that could, that's a mistake right we can eat that they're always baking stuff. yeah what are some of your favorite mistakes then my favorite yeah. mistakes um <laughs> I would say I've had a lot of mistakes. I I practically live... People think that when you work with food, you're just eating fancy food all the time. But it turns out, for me, that's not true, necessarily. I'm eating the scraps of um, cookie dough or, you know, when we're cutting out cake, like all the edges, all the, you know, all the scraps from the pieces that we've worked on. That's kind of what I live off of, basically. So the best mistakes are usually sweets like cookies and cakes and things like that. Um, what other... Yeah, I think those are the main mistakes. So it's like, it's, it's stuff that's a little overbaked or, you know, a little bit crooked and we can't show it to our clients. Um, but yeah, it's mostly baked goods yeah. that are mistakes. So, I mean, <laughs> this shows how particularly you are about the, you know, visual sense of the food too. Mm-hmm. Um so in designing a menu, what comes first, the design or the food? Um, oh, <laughs> let's see. Um, I would say that I I come up with a menu. It's kind of like writing a song. Um, you don't really know the details yet, but you know the basic structure, and you're kind of thinking about the flow and what should come first. So we do a lot of menus, and... You know, if you think about it, it's like what pairs with what and how do you want it to unfold. And so um, I would say I think of it as when I'm writing a menu, I can um, I know what it tastes like without eating it just by describing it through words. So, yeah, it's like writing a song, basically. Yeah, that's how I think it happens. It starts with that. And then um, I work with the client to see, you know, what you know, does it sound good together? What what things do they like? And then we keep writing the song, and then when it's time to play the song, um, that's when I think about visually, like, how is it going to look? And depending on the client, they so might So it's like the music a, video part of the song. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't... Yeah, it's exactly like writing a song, and it kind of comes from that. That's like the 
the base of it, and then you build on top of that. So the music video comes last. Yeah, yeah. And that, but that really pops off everything, and it ties it together. Um, you know, it might be the whole look. It might be, if it's an event we're doing, there might be a theme for the event or a certain vibe they want to have. So, again, it's all kind of lifestyle design. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's mm-hmm. over a year removed now, but the kinfolk mm-hmm. dinner you did at the yeah. Green Building, mm-hmm. what was the concept behind it and what were some of the menu items? I think the concept behind at that time, they're still uh, kind of early. Like, I, I had worked with them on their first issue, and... You know, with kinfolk, it's it's funny because they're they're so chill and sweet, and they kind of will ask you to you know work on a project with them. But at the end, they're kind of like, do whatever you want, like show us. At that point, I kind of you get the look and the feel visually of their magazine, but you you're not really sure like, well, what would they want to have? But I know that the whole thing is about communal gatherings, so that became sort of the. Um, the start of that dinner, of planning that dinner, knowing that it's going to be long tables with, you know, friends and collaborators that are coming to meet for the first time, maybe. And so you want to have food that can be passed and shared, um, but also homey and kind of comfort foods. Um, and I know that the aesthetic of the space was really woodsy, and um, it would took place at the Green Building, so. Um, yeah, it was more of planning the mood and then what kind of food would be appropriate for it. So we did um, we did a lot of things that could be shared. We did this amazing stuffed um, pork loin and um, you know Brussels sprouts and all sorts of um, side dishes that were really delicious. Yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. So you talk about seeing the space, and right now you're housed mm-hmm. in. Heritage Radio Network. Yes, headquarters. I love and, it. You know, it's it's kind of woodsy. It I mean, is. there's a lot it's of wood so cozy. It smells amazing in here. So, like, what kind of wood. food would you serve in this studio? <laughs> J- just here, not nothing to do with yeah, Roberta. No, just just here. in here. I feel like it has this kind of '70s loungy feel. I might go all. Is this a party or is it just us having? It's always a party. It's a party. Oh, I would. I think it would be fun to do like tiki drinks, like out yeah. of this crazy. I would hit up. Um, what's that vintage store? Um, the one in Williamsburg. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no. It's that one. It's a called junk, right? Sure. <laughs> okay, so this is... I, I'm not saying that it's junky in here, no. but I might hit up junk and yeah. buy some of that tiki stuff and kind of like amber glassware. And I would... I don't know. Yeah, I would do a tiki thing. I might do a 70s thing or like um, kind of Hawaiian... Um, or fondue. Yeah. I, would do, I could do fondue in here. Yeah, yeah. We could turn this into that like a ski really chalet thing. Yeah, I would do cozy foods and yeah, I would definitely get some of that tiki action. Yeah. Oh, well, might, <laughs> we might, I should have told you to bring hors d'oeuvres. I should have yeah, sent you pictures of the space and just <laughs> made you do interpretive meal uh, yeah, while like you're on air. Bacon wrapped pineapple and stuff yeah. like that on skewers. Heck yeah. I'm really into retro foods. No one ever lets me do it. That's why I would that's why I would go in that yeah. direction. Okay, so other things that people haven't let you do, what are they? So maybe have not can, let me do? Yeah. So maybe we can find you a client on there. Um what haven't they let me do? I like over the top um you know like the desserts I love are like baked Alaska, crepe Suzette. Um for my birthday I usually do the over the top meals that are retro dishes i like anything on fire (laughs) um that's really fun i love my meat that uh wearing like little uh, gold crowns 
you know, on the like little shoes, yeah. the little chef's hats, um, anything over the top like that, that's kind of retro decadence. I, I love that stuff and I don't often get to do it because people are kind of playing it down right now. Yeah. But I mean, first of all, I love the term retro decadence. Um, and two, I mean, how expensive are those little, you know, poultry toques or whatever they are? Mm. I mean, it's not like they're an expensive thing and they definitely elevate a scene so much more. Yeah, it's not. I think right now I would say, you know, a big part of it is we do get asked to do a lot of kind of communal dinners and I don't want to say peasant foods, but peasant food inspired. And I love that. But sometimes I, I realize we live in New York and I don't I don't. I don't want to feel like a yeah, peasant yeah. because I've you been poor be for a, and I've been poor for a long time. So, yeah. um, so being a peasant's not necessarily glamorous, and um, but I do think you can have like I love comfort foods, but I, I do like it to be a little polished if if we if it can be. Do you have a glamorous congee? I mean, glamorous congee. Yeah, is there a way to dress up a dish even like that? Um, yeah, you could. I mean. You could put sea urchin in it, maybe, or some, and finish off with some caviar. Um, I've never had fancy kanji, but I'm sure, I'm sure that it's something that exists. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do have a lot of um, uh, fancy condiments and things like that around the office. So sometimes we'll have something simple, and you know, I can shave some truffles or you know, finish it off with something that's fancy. Yeah. So tell me about these fancy condiments. Um. Fancy condiments. There's just when we're doing projects, we have a lot of things left over that you might not use every day, like um, you know, gold flakes or things like that, or um, baking things that are fancy, like every color sprinkle. Um, yeah, mostly gold, <laughs> metallic yeah. things, and um, truffles and all those sort of things we have around the office but we're not quite sure like what to do with it like should i put this on my cereal or should i put this on top of my like is it fancy enough to have every day um so yeah we we have a lot of stuff like that around the office and um it's pretty fun yeah so what are some of the big projects you're working on now are you looking towards the break of spring to summer to fall to next year um, well, right now, our biggest project that we're finishing is um, my first cookbook. Yeah, pretty exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a huge project. I didn't realize how much no work it is. No yeah. one knows until they're in it. and um, But it's also been amazing. It's definitely, um, you know, making a book for me as a designer, like as a visual person and a cook, um, it's kind of, you're making this object that encompasses everything that you love, which is making an object, a physical object, taking the photos, doing the styling, coming up with all of the food, testing the recipes. Um, all of that has been incredible as, um, a project, you know, as, you know, something that, um, I've been working on for a year or so. It's, it's been a huge challenge, but also been incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about <laughs> photography styling. You're a one-stop shop. You do it all, right? <laughs> yes, I do do it all. And depending now on whatever uh, what the project is, I might bring in a specialist or someone else to do the photography. It's hard to do everything when it's just you um, and an assistant. So I usually bring in other people. But from the beginning, I... 
I kind of wanted to pursue this vision and not have to wait for anyone else or, you know, maybe I had a smaller budget, but I wanted things to look a certain way. So I, I just learned how to do them on my own until, what is it when you, f- you fake it till you make yeah. it kind of thing? Or you, I don't think you were faking it. I, was, I felt like you were just making fake it. it. Yeah, yeah. I think, or maybe it's, um, it's important. I think to work with what you have and just keep trying to improve it and, um, just keep, you know, building off of that instead of waiting until you have everything to do it to do it so um with the book we i had pitched it quite a while ago and then finally after you know a year it's almost done it's going to be out spring 2014 so i'm pretty excited for that so is it going to be more an entertaining book more design book i'd like it to be both um it's um it's divided into the seasons and I think what's interesting about it, it's more of a storytelling um, cookbook. So um, the book is divided into the seasons, and every season is kind of highlights of things that I love to do in New York. For example, in the fall would be apple picking, and there's a story and a menu that's based on apples. And um, maybe in you know in the summer i love having like a rooftop barbecue in new york that's like a classic thing that you have to do and so there's a menu that's inspired by that and um really um i think that i i had thought of the book when i first moved to new york so you're exploring all these we didn't even have seasons in california yeah. so <laughs> just having seasons was a pretty big deal and you realize there are so many different kinds of foods and activities that go along with these seasons. And so the book was an exploration of that for me. It was my first time, yeah, going apple picking or um, tapping maple trees and um, or just hanging out in the city and having like a rooftop barbecue was a new thing. Um, and so the book is um, sort of like an, an ideal year in New York. Yeah. So it's it's really fun because I got to do all that stuff again. Yeah. And, you know, when you say ideal year, sometimes that feels like it has end caps on it. You know, that it's one year and done. But yeah. these things happen annually. Rooftop barbecues, apple picking. That's what's so kind of glorious about having the seasons here. And Yeah. And, you know, people, people always talk seasonal and this and that. And I know it's like a hot buzzword, but it really does make sense to cook that way, I think. And... Um, I like having a book that's that you can reach for every time it's like that new season. You're like, oh, I remember that risotto recipe to have during winter. Or instead of seeing, you know, like a traditional cookbook is broken down into types of food or, you know, ingredients. Like poultry is a section or um, fruits and vegetables. But I like it that it's um, it's more of like how you should live during a year and through the season. So you can keep referencing it and it doesn't get boring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exciting. And you've been living this for a while too, so it's obviously not boring. No, it's not boring. (laughs) But um, I remember at the beginning thinking, um, I guess before I worked on the book, that that would be a dream project. It's just to get to do all the stuff that I love to do and share that with people. So it's been a real pleasure to be able to, to do that and to make it so that people can enjoy it too. Yeah, well, that seems to be the overlying mantra of everything that you get your hands on. So yeah. a big coup to what you're doing and excited. Is it going to be called The Jewels of New York? Um, the title's still a work in progress, so 
it's going to have the jewels. It's going to be the jewels of New York, but um, um, since it's region, it sounds regional. So the name of the studio. So we were kind of working out the titles right yeah. now. But yeah. it's going to be out hey, there soon. It's a good travel <laughs> piece. A lot of people like coming here. A lot yeah. of people do travel to New York. Yeah, There's I'm sure the board wrong. of tourism would love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. I'm very excited to see what happens next season with the Jewels of New York. People yeah. can access your website, uh-huh. see new recipes, see yep. new events. We have a lot of magazine things coming yeah. out. So Hire you for catering. Yes. So yes. whatever you need within the realm of food <laughs> and design. Call Diana. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. And looking forward to that book. Okay. Spring 2014, right? Yes. Excellent. And until then, you have to live as New York lives (laughs) through its seasons and just suffer without the jewels of New York. (laughs) You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.